Doctor Who, the Time Lord that explores the galaxy while on his time-traveling adventures. Welcome to the world of the longest-running science fiction series in history, with your co-hosts Susan Backstrom, David Grunt, Matthew Rose, Tom Diamond, and Craig Johnson. They explore the classic series from its humble beginnings in 1963 and tracking through time to every episode up to the current day. This is the Doctor Who Retrospective, where a legend will never die. Welcome to Literary License Podcast. This is Doctor Who Week. We'll be covering all the episodes from Doctor Who starting from 23rd of November 1963 to present. And today's episodes will be including The Unearthly Child, or AKA 10,000 BC, which are the four episodes from Doctor Who, which cover from 23rd of November to 14th of December 1963. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We got Matthew Rose with us. Hey, hello, Matthew. A good evening from England. Hello. And we got Craig Johnson with us. Hello, Craig. Hello from East Finchley, everybody. And I'm your host, Keith Shago. And before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to, starting with you, Craig. What have we been up to since last time we spoke to you? Um, I've still got an exhibition on a photographic exhibition on at um, Lauderdale House in Waterloo Park in Highgate. Uh, it's Monday to Friday, 10 till 4, so you can check out um, my photography. There's 110 um, artists showing, uh, and there's a cafe there as well with refreshments, so... Yeah, check check that out if you're in North London, heading down that way. Um, yeah, and I've just been I've been watching the Rings of Power, the Lord of the Rings TV series, um, and brushing up on my Doctor Who. So I, I've been watching an adventure in time and space for this that coincides with um, the Unearthly Child for this new Doctor Who launch. And um, David's been he, David can't make it today, but he's been he's still doing his open mic nights at the Old White Lion Pub in on Thursday evenings. Uh, um, East Finchley. So ch- if you want to see him in action, then check out, check that, check out, check that out. And right. what is David doing today that he could not be with us? He's entertaining his friends from Newcastle. So he's given them a guided tour and his new fire. Well, I guess if you're from Newcastle, you need all the entertainment you can get. So <laughs> good luck on you, David. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Wi-Fi, it's Wi-Fi, man. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Matthew? What have you been up to? Oh, here, there, everywhere. Um, well, I've basically been rewatching the Doctor to get ready for um, Jodie's uh, finale, but I've also veered back here into the original, where it all stuck. With William Hartnell, the very first Doctor, um, who uh, travels in the police box with his grand, uh, grandchild, Susan, and uh, some companions called Ian Chatterbox or Chesterfield and uh, Miss Wright, Barbara. And, um, but personally, not, not Hartnell, but me, because um, he's no longer here with us. Maybe, maybe he um, I do a digital marketing course and I've been uh, also doing a course at the minute. I'm waiting for next month for the NHS um, with the Princess Trust. So I've got many hands and many pots. Now, I'm not a cook, <laughs> but I can if you like. Thank you. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, myself, um, I've been working a lot. We have a shortage of doctors currently in the NHS, so that's creating a bit of a backlog and problem. So it's creating a lot of extra hours for me. But outside of that, um, I have been watching this fantastic series on Disney Plus called Santa Evita. If you like to um to know more about Eva Durarte de Peron, or for all you gay people out there, Evita. Um, so basically, um, it's very interesting. It's about it's a Argentinian series. Um, that's about seven episodes, and it talks about what happened to her body after they embalmed it and where it disappeared to and how it disappeared. And it's very, very good, actually. I mean, to be honest, it makes her life look very normal. <laughs> her death is so bizarre. So, but been watching that. And of course, I've been watching stuff here and sorting out this and that. But we do have an interview with Ivy Austin from who was in the movie Grease 2. That'll be out at the end of the month, sort of thing. And she's talking about you know all the stuff she's doing on broad that she's done on Broadway and all the other stage stuff. So that's that's gonna be quite fun. If you ever have if you have seen Grease 2, she is the backing dancer who's known as Nerd Girl or Francine, the girl with the pigtails and the nerdy glasses, who's basically very much highlighted in the musical tune Reproduction song with tab hunter so but we interviewed her so that's really good um for our listeners out there who are familiar with doctor who i mean not doctor who sorry dark shadows our dark shadows currently is in hiatus because tom had a stroke and he's on the way to recovery at the moment so we are putting that on hold probably for the next six months until he comes back and then we'll finish off our doctor our dark shadows series sorry i got doctor who on the brain folks so well, with further ado, before we get started, what we're going to do is we're going to play a synopsis and be right back. This is synopsis for Doctor Who, an unearthly child, other known as 10,000 BC. At Coal Hill School, teachers Ian Charleston and Barbara Wright have concerns about people Susan Foreman, who has an alien outlook on England. When the teachers visit her address to investigate, they encounter a police box and hear Susan's voice inside. An elderly man arrives and refuses to let the teachers inside the police box. They force their way inside to find Susan in a technologically advanced control room that is larger than the police box exterior. Susan explains that the object is a time and space machine called the TARDIS and the old man is her grandfather, who reveals that he and his granddaughter are exiles from their own planet. Refusing to let Ian and Barbara leave, he sets the TARDIS in flight and the ship goes through time and space to the Stone Age. Zah, the leader of a primitive polylithic tribe, attempts to make fire. A young woman named Her warns him that if he fails to do so, the stranger called Cal will be made leader. After exiting the TARDIS, the unnamed old man, whom Ian and Barbara refer to as the Doctor, is ambushed by Cal when he witnesses him light a match. Cal takes the Doctor back to the tribe and threatens to kill him if he does not make fire. Ian, Barbara, and Susan intervene, but the group is imprisoned in a large cave. With the help of old mother who believes that fire will bring death to the tribe, they escape from the settlement, but are intercepted and recaptured before reaching the TARDIS. Cal says that it will be sacrificed if they do not make fire. While Ian tries to start a fire, Cal enters the cave and attacks Za, but is killed. Ian gives a burning torch to Za, who shows it to the tribe and is declared leader. Susan notices that placing a skull over a burning torch makes it appear alive. When the tribe enters the cave, they are faced with several burning skulls and are terrified, allowing the group to flee to the TARDIS and escape through time and space to a silent and unknown forest. Unnoticed by the crew, the radiation meter rises to danger. And that is the synopsis for Doctor Who, 
and Unearthly Child, other known as 10,000 BC, episodes 1 through 4, which originally aired on the 23rd of November to 14th of December 1963. Now back to the show. Hello, welcome back to Literary License Podcast, and we're discussing The Unearthly Child from Doctor Who from episodes 23rd of November to 14th of December. So, Matthew, what are your thoughts of The Unearthly Child? Uh, I've got to be very honest um, with this one. I guess I begin with Mr. Hartnell here. Um, so, for me, it's what kickstarted Doctor Who into this phenomenal series, but you can tell it had a lot of issues going behind the scenes wise. It starts off very well opening with the police box you find out about the cast it's very phenomenal it's very good but then suddenly when you get to episodes two three it's really as i described this very politely a snooze fest yes it's a, an utter snooze fest for me because i don't understand me well i do and i do it's the caveman story that everyone's heard a thousand of times with like oh yes the fire the everything hartnell's doctor nearly like kills a guy and it's like what? This isn't you. You're literally an aggressive person. You become this really nice one. So I know it's that journey from like a grumpy old person that becomes really nice as it goes on. But to me, unearthly, strongest points is the cast. It's the crew that everyone is iconically known from the doctor, his granddaughter, and their two school teachers, which obviously he kidnapped because, you know, um, British people, we like being kidnapped for some reason. So um, <laughs> in terms of Unearthly, I'd say it's not one of my favourites to revisit. Episode one and four are the strongest parts of it to me. Two and three, it's so dragged, it should have ended up in the cutting room floor because it, I know it was a historical, I know what they were trying to get at, but it just didn't work because... The next episode, um, something um, with some electronic things called Daleks is much more entertaining. But for me, if I was to um, watch Unearthly again, I'd say you'd have to be extremely drunk to get through it properly. <laughs> what about yourself, Craig? What are your thoughts? Um, well, for this, uh, I think it's 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 a for me. The, the opening scenes in the first episode, which I've got to be honest, I'm a I'm a Whovian, but I didn't realise that all this time I've been watching the pilot episode by mistake instead of realising that there is episodes one to four. <laughs> so it was um it was a first for me. Um, I thought it was magical. I liked the 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 concept where um Susan just intrigued me completely, played by Caroline Ford when she was doing the, the the science lessons and she and she was at the school and she knew different theories that were above the, the realms of current knowledge and scientific discovery and things that was really cool um because then it did make her an unearthly child and then she said she's from the 49th century and i was thinking is that adbc i'm not i don't know but um i'd love them to maybe do a spin-off and explore explore, explore her more or bring her back so we can learn more about her um, it was creepy because, you know, the teachers, they, they're worried about the students. So they go to the junkyard, you know, the foreman junkyard um, to just check up on her because back then probably social services didn't exist anyway. Um, and um, then they basically are kidnapped by an old man. Um, and that is kind of creepy. And you think, 
you know, is he like, he is quite ruthless because they, he could have just let them go and just opened the door and said, yeah, you know, just go on, go on about your day. But no, he chose to kidnap them and then go on this in, into no, nowhere, basically. It was like lost in, lost in space. Um, and yeah, and, and it was obviously it was aired on the 23rd of November and it was just after the assassination of President Kennedy. Um, so it got six million viewers on the first night. But then um, I think Verity Lambert, she pushed for it to be repeated at the weekend. And then it got an, and then by the time the Daleks came on the episodes, the second seat serial, it got 10 million viewers and was a massive hit. So, um, you know, good, good hats off to, to Verity and, and, and Warris Hussein for putting this together. Um, and you know, it was something we'd never seen this on TV before an old man who has a time machine that's shaped like a police box. And even that classic line, I, I, it just gives me chills when Ian says a thing that looks like a police box that moves, moves in time and space. I love that. That's, that's just brilliant. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my opening thoughts. Now, I'm very, very new to this, and I'm going to be totally aware. I'm kind of just hosting, so I actually haven't watched these episodes because I'm very, I'm, I've done a Vicky this week. So, <laughs> so I'll just be honest about that. So do you think that the beginning is, um, because to be honest, um, you are dealing with something that's quite new and fresh. Do you think that, and I'm coming off the Dark Shadows, where Dark Shadows started on daytime television, which was live for five days a week, 30-minute episodes, and they ran for 1,240 episodes. But the first ones are very, very kind of shaky. Pacing is very, very off. They didn't know what the pacing would be. And so you, you can basically Doctor Who, who Keith, suffers can, from you, like pacing. You can basically see the sound boom mics in some of the... Um in some of the, the episodes that are in an unearthly child. So it was a bit wobbly. Was it filmed on set or did it have, or did they do any outside shooting for it? It was all in set. It was all in studio. Yeah. Cause that was highlighted in the documentary events in space and time. Yeah. yeah. So that would make more sense actually. Cause I mean, cause we are looking at, I mean, television has been around, but it's still very much in its infancy at this point, wasn't it? Sort of thing as far as... Verity Lambert, she was the BBC's first female producer and the story editor was David Whittaker, who oversaw it, most of it. Yes. And Sidney Newman, he was the brainchild. He was the, I've made the Avengers and have these ideas and but he yeah. specifically said i don't need bug-eyed monsters and then they got the daleks which is yeah, quite and it funny was Canadian. so for a time yeah. in the 60s it was very diverse doctor who from the behind mm. the scenes wise mm. well, i mean the avengers but, i mean that was all sex fetish wasn't it emma peel in her leather outfit sort of thing and i get that. what I, I get what matthew was saying though about dragon because there was there was at least two or three episodes of cavemen and it was called one ten thousand bc they were gonna that was the word yes, that, that is episode two and three mm. that's it <laughs> and um it was um you know by the end of it you're thinking who are these cave people and, they, and i was thinking they're quite intelligent for cave people for what they're doing and then another thought i had was how long did they have to sit there to actually make fire by rubbing sticks you know, I know that's what I meant. It felt like it was on a time loop. <laughs> yeah. Uh so basically, 
man's first creation of fire is basically because of Doctor Who going back in time, I guess. We're Doctor, Who, <laughs> Who Doctor Who Before is Jesus. Doctor Who is Jesus. Before that, we were just God. eating raw meat. <laughs> just eating raw meat, yes. raw vegetables. <laughs> Here's a microwave, guys. Yeah. <laughs> freezing, our, freezing our butts off in loincloths. <laughs> oh, to explain to Keith about how they all travel, it's in a big police box that's bigger on the inside than out that travels in time and space. And what's the acronym for that? Time and relative dimension in space, <laughs> made up from tools and my grandchild. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> just, I mean, um, well, I mean, I mean if, it happened, act- if, if, if it happened now, I think social yeah. services would definitely get in, involved. Yes, because <laughs> so young, well, it was a mixture young, of kidnapping young. because he stole the school teachers. Well, I think the idea of some old man running around with his very young daughter probably would have raised a little bit of questions as well nowadays. So I was like, the way to get the Daleks' invasion of Earth when he said about giving her a smack bottom. Yeah. <laughs> but I have to admit that um, we are, we are, there's not, not a regional accent to be found. <laughs> No, David's not. David's not here today. Yeah, so it's all it's very it's BBC and it's very like proper English BBC days sort of thing. Before, yes, you don't need the subtitles, people. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I imagine the the one who's playing Susan and all this. I think she, does she make it? How, does she make it through the first season? Because I know they do replace her later on at some point. Yes, with a character called Vicky, funny enough. Mm-hmm. Vicky. But, okay. But Caroline it's... left because the, the huge problem she had was the story was going nowhere, and they made her screamer of the week. So literally, she'd fall over a branch. Like, oh my uncle, grandfather. <laughs> God, and then, what and then about the, Vicky. Vicky was even bloody worse. She screamed us way out of the show. Yeah, but well, at least the, Vicky... the episode's budget was about two thousand three hundred per episode, which is equivalent of fifty-one grand. In, but in... what Keith and many of us might not know or do know, because he's remember he's new to this. So Vicky, unfortunately, the BBC had dumped back in the day a lot of missing episodes. So. Vicky's farewell appeared off screen in the Myth Makers, so you can only hear it on the BBC soundtrack version. So you can't see it; you have to visualize it. <laughs> Does she have a face that you'd want to visualize? Yeah, I'm having <laughs> Bonnie Langford at the moment, bless her. Well, at least Bonnie's had the redemption arc on audio. Oh, did Body did Body Langford go into it as well? Yes, Bonnie Langford, Bonnie Langford yeah. um, uh, from uh, oh, Bugsy Malone. Yes, yeah, she was a companion. We love Bonnie. I I met her. Uh, my ex did Pirates of Penzance with her, sort of thing with, with oh. Paul Nicholas. So I met her because um, she was very popular around. Was it Lena Zeffaroni around that time period? weren't they? They weren't there around at the same time. And Lena was doing her. Bonnie Bonnie you know, was in. Yeah, Lena. Well, Lena used to perform songs that are kind of inappropriate for a girl that age to be performing. I, and Bonnie was Bonnie joined in eighty six. Bonnie got announced she was going to be in Doctor Who. Was around that point. Yeah, yeah. I just remember her in these ringlets and and the big eyes and the. So I did, I, and I remember we would get like news of her in the states about Bonnie Langford, and she's state state school girl, wasn't she? Um, yeah, I know she went into um, Cats. Right. And when yeah. she sings, she's very, and you can very definitely hear her during the chorus numbers of cats. So yeah, she's... the funniest thing with cats, her co star 
um, was a woman who was in Star Wars, um, Ula, the Twi'lek, that gets eaten by the rank of Femi Taylor. That was her co-starring <laughs> character. <laughs> That's funny. So... So do we get, do they flush out any of this about well, the doctor who and the granddaughter, do they flush out any, any more information about them or do they do this all like in uh, one go? The time Lords doesn't actually exist until a doctor, when they come into the next one, Patrick Troughton. So you'd go on this long journey and you don't know, you assume they're like humanoid until the next series, mm. but, his final series, Hartnell's, when you finally learn he's an alien because he can change his face. Mm. Okay, because I was noticing that when I was putting the show together for the for the next year for your Doctor Who episodes. At first, I thought maybe it was some kind of educational program because it's like you have prehistoric time. And then I think well, Marco that, Polo comes well, in later. And then we kind that of was that's how it was always envisioned. But until the Daleks happened, that's when it all mm. changed. Yeah. It's probably a good thing, actually. So it would have been I mean, very, very, it would have been very interesting if they did go back to Roman days and kind of redid the whole, you know, was that film that was that there um, is Helen the Mirren did? Romans. Well, there's a film that um, Helen Mirren did and John Gilgood did and, um, and Roddy McDowell did. And they thought they were doing this great big Shakespearean. Caligula, that's the name of the film. They thought they were doing this great big, you know, grand Caligula movie, and they didn't realize that it was actually uh, being produced by Penthouse. So when they were doing all their scenes, all these hardcore sex scenes were being taken place in the middle of the movie. So it's like... <laughs> and I, I suggest anyone out there check out Caligula at some point in your life. It's one of those movies like, what the hell? And you got like all <laughs> these grand British actors sort of thing. So, so I guess Doctor Who could have gone down that route if you're not sure. But yeah, but so, again, I, uh, but maybe, but, maybe the whole idea for Doctor Who to be educational might have to be because it's the British broadcast company paid by subscribers money. But then of course, it's probably quite good that the, the Daleks did appear because that probably changed into the phenomenon that is today, really. Oh, yeah, because people always say now the two things you'll always associate with the show is a blue police box and a Dalek. I was on holiday about before we were into this madness. It was down a place called Cornwall Way and there was a Dalek in the shop. So it's always around the world, these things. Wow. I love Cornwall. Well, I remember Doctor Who used to play on the PBS in America, public broadcasting service. So basically what you got, you got Sesame Street, then you got Mr. Rogers, then the Electric Company, and then Doctor Who would come on at 6 o'clock yes. in the evening. But that is down the line with somebody called Tom Baker, who America had for seven years. <laughs> yeah, I just thought, remember. Though, it would have gone on for 60 years after that one episode. You know, they expected it to run for, what, two, four episodes, wasn't it? Yes. And I mean, to be honest, they didn't think it would last as long because next year is the 60th anniversary, Keith. Yes. So a lot of stuff is happening at the minute for it. The master, mm. new master looks so good. I saw, I read the Doctor Who magazine. I, I saw his beard. Oh, yes. It disappeared, it disappeared for a number of years, though, didn't it? Yes, it did. Because unfortunately, at the end with Sylvester McCoy and Sophie in 1989, they cancelled it. They promised Sylvester, apparently, another year if he agreed to it, and they flat-out cancelled it in the midst of his third and final series. 
Yeah. Uh, okay. And, and, then, uh, and then Russell Davies brought it back. Is that right? Russell yeah, Davies after, beat 96. Uh, yes. After 96, when there was a gap stop movie with Paul McGann. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> the. The um, it, apparently the serial was set in the Stone Age because um, the intention was to bring life to the uh, to Earth's history, and the the burning of the fire was supposed to represent new technology for that time. Um, God, it was really happening then, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the only new technology was matches and the police box. <laughs> People came from miles away just to see the fire. Ooh. <laughs> I think personally, for a starter show, it the opening episode is always a fantastic one, but it's really shameful when the first and the fourth are the most memorable and the second and third are the most complained about. Forest of Fear. Do you think maybe the reason why the fourth one is so much better than the second and third one because they actually leave? Yes. So so they kind of like so they're they're building to something, but the building is yeah, you know, I think the building is quite slow. They did the whole fire thing from that part, second episode and do the whole leaving goodbye from the last one. Two episodes, it should have been two episodes. It would have flown you know better. It would have been nicer. It would have been nicer if they, if each episode where they'd had where they'd visited a point in time in history that was pro- that was prominent, like um, the Second World War or. Um, the Great yeah, World China or something like that. That would have been amazing. Yeah, I thought the intention was when they first were going to land at the cave people, that was not going to be dragged out. It was like, okay, we've done yeah. cave people, off we go to the next one. Yeah, that's right. It's kind of like that with the time machine, the old classic movie, the time machine. They kind of go back in time. It's like, okay, well, these are primitive. Let's move that. Let's move. Let's move. Let's go somewhere else, kind of thing. So. But but then again, I guess it depends. I mean, I I guess you're dealing with a show that's very very new in concept. So, and yeah. it probably does you know getting the pacing right and figuring out. And I guess another thing is, is that when we were discussing this with Dark Shadows and we were talking to the actors from Dark Shadows and stuff like this, and some of the producers, they said that they didn't quite know because you know it's before VCRs, it's before all that sort of stuff. So if you you had to catch it, if you didn't catch it, you missed it. So they weren't quite sure how far their pacing could go on this case. So if something happens, I say you couldn't make yeah. it a week. So that way, if you you know you caught it the second week or the third or fourth week, that basically you wouldn't get totally lost in a storyline sort of thing. I, yes. I I love the um the design of the TARDIS. I think it's beautiful. Oh, it is. Um, it's so minimal and it's just lovely with that nice um turquoise. But for people out there who don't know, and for people like Keith, um, part of the reason why Doctor Who had to have a change in 66 was the lead, William Hartnell, who is the doctor from this story, had gotten unwell. And he kept starting to fluster his lines because they couldn't do retakes. They were actually left in the story. So it wasn't on purpose. In the Mm. next episode, The Daleks, you actually see him fluff his lines so instead of saying, oh, we got these um, drugs, he says, oh, oh look at these um, gloves. Yeah. Oh, okay, so that makes sense. So that means Doctor Who is taped on videotape, which means basically they, there's no stopping and going. There's no editing. It's live. Here you go. Film it. Go. It must yeah, have like that. Um, in their words, which I've always found fascinating, they've always described the original series as like theatre. So like you keep going to – you've got to be ready – 
and there's no mistakes needed. Uh, well, unfortunately for Hartnell, with his failing health, that couldn't have happened. Well, um, for Dark, I mean, I'm only comparing this to Dark Shadows, only it seems like because it's been filmed the same way. In Dark Shadows, there's a lot of flubbing of lines and stuff going on because it's live. And the thing is, they thought no one's ever going to see this again. And of course, here we are, you know, 60 years, well, almost 60 years later for this. Yeah. And um, I like the strobe uh, effect. Yeah, but if you consider that it was all done live with no editing tape, you know, no redos whatsoever. Basically, it's like, OK, we're filming at 430. We're going to be finished by 530. Ready, go now. Mm. So that's probably the reason why all the flubs and stuff like this. And I imagine you probably do have a bit of shaky um, set work going on probably at times as well. So yeah, trouble with the closing the doors of the TARDIS. I think they kept um yeah in the pilot version you actually see it it's like they were struggling (laughs) to keep the doors of the ship closed and they kept opening (laughs) Uh, so that makes that makes a lot of sense and i guess i'm having a um a bc or 10,000 b 10,000 bc is kind of like okay maybe but uh maybe the 10,000 bc storyline probably would make it made it a bit more easier for like set designs and stuff like this and also you gotta remember things are in black and white this time so things have to be colored a certain way to be able to show up on black and white televisions as well so and the most interesting thing about the pilot because we haven't noted the, the differences at the start it's virtually entirely the same but they actually envisioned um Hartnell's Doctor to be a lot more colder, a lot more wicked, and that didn't test well with the BBC. So they redid the episode again, and it becomes what you actually see in the final product, him being a bit more like, "Mm, yes, I care for my grandchild and all that, instead of like, oh, yes, I'm kidnapping you. How dare you barge into my say, Off the girl, wee, and all that malarkey. Um, Not to jump ahead in the storyline, because I know that you're covering just these episodes, yeah. Do um, without. Uh, I'm hoping that people. <laughs> spoiler alert, people. Um, do the two teachers? Do they ever get back home, or do they just leave them somewhere in time? <laughs> yes, they get back home in the sixties. Uh, um, they okay. get back with uh, what's her name, Vicky. But Vicky stays, and they have a guy called Stephen. When does it come across? Because I know at. I know that here we are, we have a relationship going on between, you know, a familiar relationship between the doctor and the young girl, Susan, in this case. When does it become that they're no longer, they're just a companion, no longer family? Um, You could say that in most episodes, it feels like he treats her more like a companion than his own granddaughter, because sometimes he treats her like, like he calls a child and the next minute, when she wants independence and stuff, he's like, oh, go on, fine, get on with it. So they do have that hissy fit rapport and all that, but companion-wise, Susan's, um, she's an accurate representation of life now. Like, if you've ever seen somebody who's lived a sheltered life, that's exactly what Susan is. Okay. And how do you rate Susan as a companion from being in the beginning? Do you like her, dislike her? I've always adored Caroline Ford, but I see where she got off with the complaints on audio now because she reprised the role for a company called Big Finish, which um, some of the Dark Shadows people and other people around the planet have done. And it served her far better than just a screaming goodbye companion. You, from my understanding, Doctor Who, 
to her meant everything, but it was just hurtful to her as an actress that wasn't going anywhere. That's quite interesting that Big Finish did Doctor Who serials as well, because they also did Dark Shadow serials as well, Big Finish productions. Yes, I, I know they interest. had um, Julie Newmar interesting. that woman. I know they had Julie Newmar from the Adam West Batman in Dark Shadows for Big Finish. Yeah. That's very interesting, actually. I didn't know that. So they're kind of like almost closely linked in a weird kind of way, mm. as far as oh, like yeah. the and way they the way they were produced, the way they were filmed, and um... and the nice thing about Big Finish as well, because they got Doctor Who people that also work in the Dark Shadows range. So there's a lot of them that they bring over. They've got a Doctor Colin Baker. They've got loads of companions that work on it. So they're trying to give them different roles in Dark Shadows for a time. A lot of them worked on it. Okay, that that's starting to make sense. Why there's a huge following for Doctor um, Dark Shadows fans who are big fans of Doctor Who. So now that now, like here we are three years later, and the the dots are finally connecting with me. Finally, yes, and some of the actors have reprised their roles as well. Um, there's a gent called Barnabas Collins, and he did one with a Doctor Who actor, which is upstairs. I've got the CD of the Creeping Fog, Jonathan Frid. Was Barnabas Collins? Oh, sorry. Who's, oh no, sorry. No, who's the other one now? David. David Collins. I'm trying to think of his version. Oh, David Hennessy. Oh no, he, he's one of the Collins. I'll, I'll dig it out afterwards. I'm sorry. For okay. Well, there's David. There's David Selby as well. He was um, Quentin That's Collins. That's him. That's him. David Selby. He, he went in to do um, Falcon Crest. As well, yes, that's him. That's the Jenny. She's the one who did the creeping fog with Matthew Waterhouse from Doctor Who. Okay, David Selby. Yeah, we interviewed him actually, he's quite funny. So, <laughs> oh, so there you go. So, that's a nice link for you. So, uh, I'm happy to send that go. to you afterwards, Keith, if you want to look. Yeah, I'll have a listen to that. Excellent. Yes, so, oh, sorry to get back onto Doctor Who, which we've come from. Yeah. Sorry, people. Oh, don't worry, that's what we do on our show. We kind of Flag off, off and come tangents, back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, our yes, yesterday's show, we kind of went off on the tangent about Joel Shoemaker being a gay filmmaker and the gay sexual gaze he gave to all the cast members in Lost Boys and how Jamie Getz never got a look in. <laughs> 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 and what that had to do with Batman, we'll never know. But uh, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so. With these characters of Cal and Zah and um, Old Mother, um, how how were they kind of introduced? Were they kind of introduced in a I'm I'm Zah or or were they, no, they speak English? No, it actually wasn't a stereotypical introduction. Okay. It was more or less, which was surprising for the time. They all were like Craig said earlier. They all were quite more intelligent, which doesn't give an accurate representation of cave people. No, I thought because when I said K people, I just kind of pictured a really cheap version of Stanley Kubrick's 2001 Space Odyssey. <laughs> and I wouldn't give them that dude. I mean, that's what I quite liked about it. They were more intelligent than normal cave people. It's just the story, unfortunately, was a disservice to them. Hmm. It might have been more interesting if uh, maybe Za hit. Um, you know, her over the head and dragged her out by her hair. Oh, one of my favorite scenes, though, <laughs> I will say, yes, one of my favorite scenes, I'll have to say, though, <laughs> from the cave people is the doctor literally is picking up a rock, Ian stops and he says, Oh, she's doing, uh, uh, I'm just trying to get him to get us back to the ship. But yes, that's what I was doing. 
<laughs> they even, I think they even hate the doctor because I'm sure in the Daleks as well, they said to him, oh, I think it's about time he got his comeuppance or, or he deserved something bad to happen to him. And I'm thinking like he's, he has, he, he's got these people on his, on the TARDIS against their will. They don't want to be there, you know? But, yes. Uh, they did soften yeah. him up. They did soften him up more. I mean, yeah, it, from... goes, it goes from a crew that didn't want to be together to become a family before Susan leaves. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I did find it. Uh, I haven't seen the episode. I am. I mean, you guys actually got me interested. I probably will watch. I'll, I'll probably find out where I can watch those, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Oh, I'll here start in watching England, it. Too, um, it's on BritBox. That's why I'm watching them. Okay. I don't have BritBox, but I'm sure I can get it. Sort of thing. I got every other channel. What's one more? <laughs> <laughs> I've got Netflix, Amazon, Disney, Paramount, Peacock, IU. Hey. I want to see yeah, the butthead on Paramount. That's just an epic name, Peacock. Peacock. I think I got it. Um, I think I can get BritBox through Amazon, can't I? I think so, yes. And it's also got, if you're going to do reviews on things like Blake 7 and lots of stuff like that, they've got all the, like, the classic science fiction stuff, the Anderson collection as well. Okay, Space 1999 on there, because I was a huge fan of that. <laughs> I think it might be. I'll double-check after here, because I, I okay. know there was a massive Anderson collection recently. Ooh, okay, I'll look that up. But yeah, I'll, I'll sign up. It's also, do they also have an app as well? Yes, that's how I watch it, because you can get on your phone and you can... I've got it on my Xbox upstairs. That's what I'm saying, I got Xbox, so I'll just get it on my Xbox sort of thing, because yeah. I'm an Xboxer, so... Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, give you, I'll give you my um, give you my tag name, <laughs> Xbox. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm working my way through Crash Bandicoot at the moment again. So oh, I'm redoing um, Monkey Island, ready for the next one on Monday. Oh, they're a new one. Excellent. Yes. Ooh, is it a point and click or are they um gone? Yes, a bit more but it's got new animation, but it's Switch and PC, so it's only got two at the minute. But people are hoping it comes to more. Excellent. Because at the moment, I'm waiting for a rat's tail at the moment uh, on yes. gameplay. So I, yeah. I just finished the other one again. I played the other one again, just I'm ready. I think that's out this week, actually. So, yeah. But, um, <laughs> see, I have to go off on another tangent. Going back to Doctor Who. Um, so, how often, how, how the two companions, the two school teachers that they kidnap and take to. <laughs> <laughs> prehistoric times um how long does it take them to actually be comfortable with, with their kidnapping do they become like patty hurst <laughs> i think from the perspective of the writers um they become really they go from we don't want to get back to home as quick um as it goes on because when you see those early episodes they're literally desperate to get back to england back to earth their own time then as it goes on they kind of don't want to go until that final episode, the chase with Vicky and Steven. So they they do get quite comfortable as it goes on. Mm. What are the two the two school teachers? They tell you what they're teaching. What what they're ah uh, gosh one science I, I or something. What, I think Ian was um a science teacher, yes, and Barbara was like an English tutor. Yeah. Okay, well, it could have been worse. Give me home ec. <laughs> 
I know. Well, Stephen's a Stephen's a pilot. Vicky, they brought her in as a replacement for Susan. So they, you could tell they've invested in her more than Susan when she comes into it. Well, Susan's. I mean, nothing against the actors, but Susan's kind of a bland name, isn't it? Susan. They were they were very posh cavemen. Yes, yeah. they're very well very, spoken for cavemen. Very well spoken. Me like fire. So you can <laughs> yeah. get a cup of tea for them. Very highbrow. Yeah. So it's like, oh, hello, you come from another planet <laughs> Another time and force Full up a pew Unfortunately, um, Keith, then, unfortunately <laughs> the, the next companions after Vicky um, They unfortunately die But that's also off screen in the epic Dalek master plan Which has also been lost thanks to the BBC dumping it mm. Yeah, they... Um... They had a habit of dumping that or reusing the videotape. Um, there's some Dark Shadows episodes that are missing. So basically, what you get is like picture stills on the on the the disc, and then got like this kind of vo- found footage. Yeah, they call that the telephone <laughs> audio. Yeah. But the worst uh, was from the Daleks' master plan. It was a twelve part epic that no one will ever see again. God. I just, you kind of wonder, like, who made that decision and where are they now? Well, uh, you should get ready, Keith, for the next companion. Her name was Dodo. Or Doo-Doo, depending on how you read it. <laughs> and then they wrote out poor Jackie Lane because the producer didn't like her. And then they brought in Ben and Polly. And so she didn't get a proper goodbye. Um, and Ben, Ben, oh, my God, he's so annoying. But he, he, he he's nice to look at, but he's got the most Danny Dyerish annoying east end accent and he's so loud well that's only with Hartnell. then when he gets a child and he kind of mellows but mm. yeah so for dodo the producers didn't like her that much keith so instead of giving her a proper goodbye they just have a sign on the door that says she's off somewhere she's <laughs> off now goodbye <laughs> she's been dropped off at a time and dimension far far away yeah. never so to be seen again they didn't, even get, they didn't even give her a proper farewell. It was just sun on the door, ta-ta. That's Dumped like, her off in the black like when, hole of history. <laughs> a bit of when, and then like when, Ben and Polly when just T- watch him Tegan, die, and then he yeah. becomes a different person. Wait, when Tegan's having a meltdown, and then basically he just leaves, the TARDIS just goes. It's like, <laughs> okay, just, just leave her in, a, in a, an abandoned warehouse. God. But on a whole, for a for an earthly child, it did its job. It got people interested in the show. And from that basis and foundation, if it hadn't been for what was to come for the show, it would have been buried back in the 60s if they didn't adapt with like the, the um, monsters and the historicals. And the regeneration was key. Like if they hadn't been able to regenerate, it well, would have, yeah, that was Plan B. If that was an they didn't go for, idea. if they didn't get an actor to take over from Hartnell, then the show would have died in 1966. Yeah. Hmm. So it's quite interesting that you have a crew and a production, and everyone are willing to adapt, and then. You know, it sounds like they didn't have a fully realized, but due to time and essence of what was going on within the production of the show, it kind of turned it into what it is today then. So if all that stuff didn't happen, what sounded like really bad, kind of like unfocused and really bad situations going on at that time. um, If that didn't happen, you wouldn't have what you have today. So it's quite interesting. Yeah, and there are some very controversial episodes. Not mentioning names. Oh, Talons of Wang Shiang. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Interesting. Well, I'm, I'm actually going to download BritBox and I'll try to get up to scratch. So if I come on to this again, so therefore I will be a bit more well-versed. Yes. And what you get on there as well, Keith, um, they've got Doctor Who documentaries, Adventure in Space and Times on there. There's um, Doctors Revisited. There's a, a great wow. thing called the Myth Makers that's on BritBox, which has interviews with the cast. So you get their perspectives of it. And wow. you get to learn from, like, say, John Pertwee. You get to learn about his naval life when he was a spy before he was an actor. Wow. Was he Wallace Grummitch? Yeah, yeah, well, so Grummage, Grummage, yes. <laughs> when I first came to this country, before I started my job here, I had a year off and I worked, I lived in Ireland. Um, that's just that there was a bad relationship choice. And I would melt, I would melt cows in the morning and the evenings. But in the afternoon, the only thing that would, Irish television would come on about three o'clock. And the only show that they played with Warzel and Gummage until five. So I got to watch the whole Warzel and Gummage wow. when I was there. Ah, so you saw John Pertwee, yes, with his, um, his spectacular teeth. Oh, yes, was, oh, yes I like John Pertwee. He's, uh, people call him the Kung Fu Doctor because he's very scientific, but he'll fight like a ninja. Venusian. Venusian Aikido. That's it. We've got all so them I... to look forward to. It's gonna, I'm excited. It's going to be good. Yes, uh, and because I... Officer Keith as well, I'll... Just for people like yourself who probably isn't aware, the doctor's been for f about five years now a lady and she's about to become a bloke again and another bloke because there's two of them coming in shortly. I've read some of the controversy about <laughs> Doctor Who being being a woman, so I've read that, that kind of thing. I think it's up there with Ariel <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> yes. Now, I've loved Jodie. I mean, the, some of the scripts are iffy, but to me, all Doctor Who has its iffy moments. Yeah. Well, I think, um, I mean, I know that with the, you know, David Tennant was very, very popular. And I know that it kind of had a little bit of a shift when David Tennant left because I think he was, he was with it for how long? Quite a few years. Four years three, about four? three, four years because he came at the end of Eccleston's series in 2005. Mm. Yeah. So... So I know that when he took over, he was very popular. I know that after he left and after Billy Piper left it as well, they kind of kind of gone like, oh, where are we going then, sort of thing? And then it goes. Yeah, it went popular with Matt Smith. Then when Capaldi and Jodie's come in, the ratings dipped down because unfortunately there was ageism and the other thing for like where people couldn't see a woman in the role. And then you had a second woman who was of colour, Joe Martin, who's also come into it. So you had two for the price of one series. Mm -hmm. Well, I can understand. Yeah, I can understand that. But I think I think all shows kind of kind of do that when new people come in because you have to kind of get used to them, don't you? And sort of thing. Yeah. So that makes a bit of sense. Yeah. So I think by the time of, of the 60th next year, Keith will be having a police box in the back of his room at this rate. Yeah. <laughs> He'll go along with my creature from the back of Goon and my Jason dolls. <laughs> my oh, yeah, you dolls. Get the I've got a Jason still, doll. People, I keep encouraging people <laughs> to get the TARDIS Funko. Oh yeah, I think there's a TARDIS bank actually. <laughs> I can use another something to put my coins in because my creature from the Black Lagoon bank is going to get it full. So no, I'm yeah. gonna. I will definitely. I'm definitely going to invest in it. I'm actually downloading BritBox now onto my Xbox as we speak. And so, um, if you download the iPlayer, that's where you also get the modern series, so you can get both. Hmm. 
Well, I'm going to start from the beginning and just work my way through as you guys are working your way through them. So I think that's probably the best way. So yes. otherwise, um, that way, this, so I can actually look at it with new eyes and see it from a different perspective. So that'd be quite good. So I'll do oh, that. I meant, to, I meant to say, Keith, do, um, do you do a rating system here for each episode or we're just, we're just fine? Yeah, we do ratings. We can do ratings. It's your show. So basically, um, if you want to do ratings, what we're doing, um, I think what we have up next is best storyline and worst storyline out of this four episodes. What's your best storyline? Even though it's one storyline, but there are sub sub storylines going on. What do you think was the best storyline within these four episodes, Arch? I'll let Craig go first for this one. Um, I just I like the the concept, uh, the original concept when. Um, that is the, the granddaughter's an alien and she's got su- super knowledge and the whole being in the sh- in the in the police box that becomes a spaceship and uh, that's that's my favorite thing I, I think it was weaker what math Matthew what Matt said about the the caveman dragging on it did drag on because they could have visited somewhere else or somewhere in in history which they didn't and that was that was a shame but I suppose then you've got the whole of the 60 years to travel through time and time and space. And they did cover some things. Um, but yeah, and that, it, I think I love the concept because it was something new that hasn't been done before on Tiller on television. And it was a first and um, yeah, it was, it was a British first. So. And uh, what was your worst? Um, probably episode three. Uh, I felt it did it did drag a bit with the cavemen and things, and then I was I was just happy with, as soon as the the doctor had put the skulls on the, the the stakes and had set them on fire, and then they ran to the TARDIS. I thought, thank God for that. Now we can just move on <laughs> and get out of there. Because I was I was thinking these early episodes, he he sometimes stands by the TARDIS, and then I think just get in the bloody TARDIS and go. <laughs> just forget what's going on. <laughs> it's safe in there. Just go inside. But nope. They have to come out and then they split up or something random happens or someone falls over a twig and then and then you're back to square one. And well, it could have, it could have fallen over when the camera um, wires, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> what about yourself, man? <laughs> what, what about yourself? <laughs> Probably at the roll free. Um, yeah. <laughs> what about yourself, Matthew? What's your best storyline and your worst storyline? Oh, I think the best part is uh, from the very beginning in episode one, when you see how it all starts and you're learning more about the characters, the motivations that all lead to the police box, and then just barging into the TARDIS and that excitement of being like in this whole of a world of a giant shit that's like it looks like a broom cupboard on the outside but on the inside it's someplace incredible to me learning more about where this crew's gonna go and you see that opening shot of the first place they land that was just that was just incredible to watch especially for people in the 60s who saw it for the first time but like craig i will echo episode three is probably what they could have cut out or just done some changes to it because it just incredibly drags on. And then episode, the last part of it, when they finally are off somewhere and you see like, um, oh, when you see the bit that's hinting what what's next and which is the Dalek story, 
that was epic because um you it feels like there's a sense of danger coming mm. um so for the worst yeah, part for me good. it's just they just overplayed the cavemen part of it and you essentially didn't need that the best part mm. was just learning more about the crew mm. i like the i like the beginning very beginning shot where the music continues to play and there's a policeman with his torch at the junkyard and then the music the theme music still playing on that was kind of eerie and it was really cool yes and i'll agree with that too because it felt like it's the start of something special on the show when they kept playing it and guys keith the the, the tardis sound effects was basically key door keys scratching of the back of an old piano things like yeah. that okay oh uh, that's um from the bbc radiophonic workshop um, the woman who made that, Delia Derbyshire, she lived it. up the road from me because I live in the same city as her. So they did the plan a couple of years ago. Well, where do you live? Craig at? asked where you live. Coventry. So she's oh, literally, okay. her house okay. is up the road. Cool. That's quite interesting. It looks like. Sorry. Oh, sorry, I missed the day the plaque was unveiled because Colin Baker and Nicola Bryant came to it. Oh, wow. That uh, would have been cool. Keith, it looks like you're in the first Doctor's TARDIS, by the way. Um, I think that's just you've called got, really bad lighting from my end of the stick over here. You've got so. a lot of roundels on the wall. Uh, um, he's forgot, he's oh, forgot oh. the chameleon circuit, but that comes later. <laughs> <laughs> um, not to sound... Um, prejudice or anything, but my I rent from a Middle Eastern man, and let's just sit there and say that his decorating ideas are probably not the most modern. So yeah, okay. so that's what's going on in the back. Because normally, I, normally you get the LL podcast um, back screen, don't you? Oh yeah, normally during this, so that's what you normally get. So but, Keith, um, check out the Tardis, and you'll know. <laughs> I will. And maybe I'll even get one and put it next to my Munsters dials. And they put it, put it next to Herman and Lily behind me. So I I'll give you one. I've got about 150 bloody TARDISes lying around somewhere. Yeah. And what Keith Holly isn't aware, not just when the Doctor changes, as time goes on, they actually change the set to represent the yeah. next Doctor. So they make minor changes and then they actually change the control rooms themselves. It's been wooden. It's been a gothic gothic kind of centered coral it they virtually change it to match each doctor now it's a himalayan salt lamp oh there's a third doctor but it's some kind of jungle gym <laughs> <laughs> well probably the next doctor will be eating plant-based meat so yeah <laughs> well, no, well i don't know if you're i don't know if you're working but the next doctor we're going back in time for the next one it's david Tennant, then a gent called shooty gout was so two scots <laughs> is he Scottish? Wow, okay. Mm. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. So I've, I actually have now downloaded BritBox. So I'm all ready to sign in. So I will do that when I finish this and be up and ready for the next next lot of episodes. Yes, um, uh, uh, be prepared, Keith. There's seven episodes, the Daleks. I That's know. Fine, I, yeah. I watched it and then I fucking fell asleep on episode seven. So well, I, I think I, I I think you're divide I think you're dividing thing. them up as well, aren't you? Because I try to divide it up so you're not doing more than four episodes per thing. Yeah, so I think the, you're... The, the, the nicer thing though about these, you can watch them leisurely because they're only about half an hour each compared to now, mm. which is about 40, 50 yeah. odd minutes, depending That's the true. story arc. 
Mm. Yeah, I love these 20 minute episodes. They're all right. Okay. Oh, yeah, well, I'm going to watch those tonight, actually. But it was it was one o'clock in the morning yesterday when I was watching um, the Daleks. And, um, well, and what, were you doing, um, what were you I'm doing working. last night that you put Doctor Who on so late, shall we ask? Um, I Come on, no we're judging now. What? <laughs> it was just a long night. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> carrying on. Who is your first? Who is your favorite and least favorite character in the in these four episodes? Starting with you, Matthew. Oh, my favorite. Um, to be honest, I actually quite liked Susan in the story because you could definitely tell this story was meant for her. It was a very Susan centric beginning. And my least favorite, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say it. So um, it's actually the doctor in this because he's very aggressive a lot, and he's not that heartwarming, caring person that everyone comes to grow with. Mm. Yeah, okay. I agree with Matt because they, I just felt sorry for the teachers because he could have just let them go, and they they could have just said, "Oh, you've been imagining things," and they would never have known. But he forcibly kept them in the TARDIS to go to God knows where and then put their lives in danger, which is a bit out of order, really. You, sh- you should have the choice to build the TARDIS. Yeah, and that is an ongoing theme for the very first beginning. It's like that kidnapping keeps getting brought up a lot. Yeah. Mm. Well, I guess it's... Uh, I, maybe... Um, I mean, I was thinking, like, from the perspective of the writing and because you're doing a new show... I guess what they're doing is putting the audience in the in the roles of the two teachers being kidnapped. So you are being kidnapped by Doctor Who and being sent on this journey. So maybe that was the thinking, you know, like yeah. I know, like when dark when dark shadows happens, you get basically a Victoria Winters and she's on a train and she goes, this is my future. I don't know what my future is going to be, but uh, da, da, da. so you're sure so you're kind of like Victoria Winters as she maneuvers through this gothic horror story that she's going to enter so you kind of like her at the beginning so maybe maybe that was their intention um but then again i guess you know as you you said i mean avengers had a lot of kidnapping in avengers during its during its early run so maybe maybe it's just a thing a (laughs) go-to at that time well to be fair it is right because when it began with the show it is literally through the eyes of the companions. It's not through the eyes of the Doctor through that first episode. So you get more of that, more through his eyes when it goes on, or hers, because now obviously female. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I guess that probably makes sense about the whole kidnapping storyline. So that that does make a little bit more sense now thinking back on that. And do you agree with Matthew's favorite character, Craig? Yeah, I love. Um... Susan was great. I, I loved the, the the classroom scenes when she was um, telling the teachers her ideas that well, her answers, which were futuristic and beyond current knowledge. That oh, was- and that brings up one of her favorite moments. It's like when she's listening to the music, she's acting like a bright teenager, and then they all start getting really concerned about Susan because she's so clever. They don't understand how she's alien at certain things, and it starts worrying them. Yeah. Um, do they mention in these first four episodes exactly where they come from? No. Are they Gallifrey uh, doesn't exist till the war games when Patrick Troughton regenerates? She just says she's from the 49th century, and then you're left thinking, 
okay where, yeah where, where's that <laughs> so it has to take another doctor keith for when they actually introduce where they're from and susan's long gone at that point so that makes a bit more sense actually so basically they're like they're kind of like just we're not making exiled. it their goal, but we're giving a little bit more information so that way they're not they're not they're not showing off their hand all at once, sort of thing, I guess. Yes. And th- how they explained it in the first, they tried to say, oh, we are cut off from our own people, our mm. own race, our own time. We can we can never go back, but one day we'll go back. <laughs> so I, I think now what we'll do is um, why not? If, um, I'm not sure because this is all kind of one storyline at the moment. If um, if we should maybe rate the whole this whole storyline, I guess, on a scale of one yeah. to five, maybe. Okay, that way because they're not really. Do- it's like it's kind of like I guess it's like trying to rate a mini series. I guess trying to rate an episode of a mini series in this one. I know that because. Looking through Unearthly Child, and I know that when we were putting the show together, Unearthly Child is probably the only four episodes arc that you have that doesn't have individual titles for each of the episodes. Hmm. So yeah, it's almost like it's only with these original episodes they're under different titles. Yeah, uh, as it goes on, they drop that and just call them episodes one, two, three, four, however many they've got. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's John Pertwee, it's like part one and all that, and they've scrapped it after the Hartman and Charlton era. Hmm. Okay, that makes more sense then. So I guess from a scale of one to five, what would you rate Unearthly Child? Um, starting with you, Craig. Because um, of the concepts never been seen before, it was something brand new, and it went on for 60 years, that's got to be five cavemen out of five. <laughs> and what about yourself, Matthew? What do you rate it? Oh, I'm going to be definitely solid, my dear boy. I'm going to have to be controversial here. Hmm, it's going to be <laughs> a, a solid three out of five for me, the doctor, because of how I was acting all crazy. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, this brings us to the end of Literalize the Podcast. Next Doctor Who episode will be airing um, in October and we'll be covering the Daleks Part One, which will cover episodes 21st of December to the 1963 to the 1st of February 1964, and these would include episodes 1 through 4, which would include the episodes titled The Dead Planet, The Survivors, The Escape, The Ambush. And, of course, next week we'll be carrying on with our new episode for Season 6. It will be M&M, which is Monsters and Madness. We'll be covering two fantastic films, which will be The Creature from the Black Lagoon from 1962, and, of course, the 2020 box office, Oscar-winning film, The Shape of Water, directed by Guillermo del Toro. And, of course, uh, um, Doctor Who, not sorry, excuse me, uh, Dark Shadows is put on hiatus. We will be back in June to finish off the last two seasons of two episodes of that, when we do wish Tom the best of luck and to get well very, very soon. Our next uh, books to screen will be Whatever Happened to Cousin Charlotte, written by Henry Farrell, and the film from 1964, Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte, by Betty Davis and Livy de Havilland. And, of course, we'll be back with Batman the Animated Series. We'll be covering four episodes, which will include Pretty Poison, D-O-V, P-O-V, God, (laughs) I'll I'll edit this, (laughs) 
And then again, we'll be back for Batman the Animated Series. We'll be covering episodes Pretty Poison, The Underdwellers, POV, and of course, The Forgotten. And of course, Make Remake will be covering the 1932 The Mummy and The Mummy from 1999. So it's good night for myself and good night, Matthew. Oh, sorry. Good night. <laughs> good night, Craig. Good night, everybody. And don't forget, you can check my Instagram at Craig's World too. Um, you can check my merch on craigsworld.org and my Etsy store at Craig's World. Which, make sure you sign up to the newsletter and you'll have all the links to be able to get that with a simple link. And we'll also put those into our show notes. So remember, the next we'll be doing the Daleks for the next Doctor Who. And next week, Monsters and Madness, we'll be covering... The Creature from the Black Lagoon from 1962 and The Shape of Water from 2020. Good night, folks. Good night. That's done. Yay. Another one. Are you looking for a graphic design that will take you to the next level or something that shows confidence within a growing market to help you stand out amongst the crowd? Amazing Designs gives consistent and on-brand designs whether you are looking for something conservative or you want to let your imagination soar. They bring professionalism to a high standard and they are able to visualize your ideas and give them that extra edge. Working one-on-one -on -one with their designers will give you a design that will live up to your expectations and more. Affordable, expert designs for all occasions whether it's logos brochures or whatever you can dream of amazing designs is your to-go place for creativity and hands-on expertise try amazing designs today contact them via email at amazing designs 505 at gmail.com that's amazing designs 505 at gmail.com or reach out by phone at country code 1-805-203-0427 we love them so much here at the literary license podcast that we use them ourselves but i'd rather be different than be the same i think what we have up next is best storyline and worst storyline out of this four episodes what's their best storyline even though it's one storyline but there are sub sub storylines going on what do you think was the best storyline within these four episodes arch i'll let craig go first for this one um i just i like the the concept, uh, the original concept, when um, that is that the granddaughter's an alien and she's got su super knowledge and the whole being in the sh in the in the police box that becomes a spaceship and uh, that's that's my favourite thing. I, I think it was weaker. What Matt said, Matthew, what Matt said about the the caveman dragging on, it did drag on because they could have visited somewhere else or somewhere in in history. Which they didn't, and that was that was a shame. But I suppose then you've got the whole of the sixty years to travel through time and time and space, and they did cover some things. Um, but yeah, and that, it, I think I loved the concept because it was something new that hasn't been done before on tele on television, and it was a first. And um, yeah, it was it was a British first. So, and then, yeah, what was your worst? Um, probably episode three. Uh, I felt it did, it did drag a bit with the cavemen and things. And then I was, I was just happy with, as soon as the, the doctor had put the skulls on the, the, the stakes and had set them on fire and then they ran to the TARDIS. I thought, thank God for that. Now we can just move on <laughs> and get out of there. Cause I was, I was thinking these early episodes, he, he sometimes stands by the TARDIS and then I think, 
just get in the bloody TARDIS and go. <laughs> just forget what's going on. <laughs> it's safe in there. Just go inside. But nope, they have to come out and then they split up or something random happens or someone falls over a twig and then and then you're back to square one. And well, it could have, been, it could have fallen over when the camera um, wires, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> probably at the role for you what about yourself matthew what's your best storyline and your worst storyline oh i think the best part is uh from the very beginning in episode one when you see how it all starts and you're learning more about the characters the motivations that all lead to the police box and then just barging into the TARDIS and that excitement of being like in this whole of a world of a giant ship that's like, it looks like a broom cupboard on the outside, but on the inside, it's someplace incredible. To me, learning more about where this crew's going to go and you see that opening shot of the first place they land. That was just that was just incredible to watch, especially for people in the 60s who saw it for the first time. But like Craig, I will echo episode three is probably what they could have cut out or just done some changes to it because it just incredibly drags on. And then episode the last part of it, when they finally are off somewhere and you see like um Oh, when you see the bit that's hinting what what's next and which is the Dalek story, that was epic because um you it feels like there's a sense of danger coming. Mm. Um, so for the worst yeah, part for me, good. it's just they just overplayed the caveman part of it, and you essentially didn't need that. The best part mm. was just learning more about the crew. Mm. I like the I like the beginning, very beginning shot where the music continues to play and there's a policeman with his torch at the junkyard and then the music the theme music still playing on that was kind of eerie and it was really cool yes and i'll agree with that too because it felt like it's the start of something special on the show when they kept playing it and guys keith the the, the tardis sound effects was basically key door keys scratching of the back of an old piano things like yeah. that okay oh uh, that's um from the bbc radiophonic workshop um, the woman who made that, Delia Derbyshire, she lived it. up the road from me because I live in the same city as her. So they did the plan a couple of years ago. Well, where do you live? Craig asked where you live. Coventry. So she's oh, literally, okay. her house okay. is up the road. Oh, sorry, I missed the day the plaque was unveiled because Colin Baker and Nicola Bryant came to it. Oh, wow. Keith, it looks like you're in the first Doctor's TARDIS, by the way. Um, I think that's just called got, really bad lighting from my end of the stick you, over here. You've got so. a lot of roundels on the wall. Uh, um, he's forgot, oh, he's oh. forgot the chameleon circuit, but that comes later. <laughs> hmm. um, not to sound um, prejudiced or anything, but my I rent from a Middle Eastern man, and let's just sit there and say that his decorating ideas are probably not the most modern. So, yeah. Okay. So that's what's going on in the back. Because normally, you, normally you get the LL podcast um, back screen, don't you? Oh yeah. Normally during this, so that's what you normally get. So, but, Keith, um, check out the TARDIS, and you'll know. <laughs> I will, and maybe I'll even get one and put it next to my monsters dials. And they put it, put it next to Herman and Lily behind me. So I've got about one hundred and 
50 bloody TARDISes lying around somewhere. Yeah. And what Keith Holly isn't aware, not just when the Doctor changes, as time goes on, they actually change the set to represent yeah. the next Doctor. So they make minor changes and then they actually change the control rooms themselves. It's been wooden, it's been a gothic gothic kind of centred coral. It, they virtually change it to mm. match each Doctor. Now it's a Himalayan salt lamp. Oh, there's a third Doctor. It's some kind of jungle gym. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably the next Doctor will be eating plant-based meat, so, yeah. <laughs> well, no, well, I don't know if you're aware, aware Keith, but the next Doctor, we're going back in time for the next one, it's David Tennant, and then a gent called Shooty Goutler, so two Scots. <laughs> Is he Scottish? Wow, okay. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. So I've, I actually have now downloaded BritBox. So I'm all ready to sign in. So I will do that when I f- finish this and be up and ready for the next next lot of episodes. Yeah, um, uh, be prepared, Keith. There's seven episodes, the Daleks. I know. I, I watched it and then I fucking fell asleep on episode seven. So well, I, I think I, I think I you're divide, I think you're dividing thing. them up as well, aren't you? Because I try to divide it up so you're not doing more than four episodes per thing. Yeah, so I think the, 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 the nicer thing though about these, you can watch them leisurely because they're only about half an hour each compared to now, which is about 40, 50 yeah. minutes, depending on the story arc. Mm. Yeah, I love these 20 minute episodes. They're all right. Okay. Oh, yeah, well, I'm gonna watch those tonight. Actually, but it was it was one o'clock in the morning yesterday when I was watching um, the Daleks. And um, well, what were you doing? Um, what were you doing working. last night that you put Doctor Who on so late? Shall we ask? Oh. Come on, no we're judging now. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was just a long night. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> carrying on. First, who is your favorite and least favorite character in the in these four episodes? Starting with you, Matthew. Oh, my favorite. Um, to be honest, I actually quite liked Susan in this story because you could definitely tell this story was meant for her. It was a very Susan-centric beginning. And my least favorite, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say it. So um, it's actually the doctor in this because he's very aggressive a lot and he's not that heartwarming, caring person that everyone comes to grow with. Yeah, okay. I agree with Matt because there, I just felt sorry for the teachers because he could have just let them go and they, they could have just said, oh, you've been imagining things and they would never have known, but he forcibly kept them in the TARDIS to go to God knows where and then put their lives in danger, which is a bit out of order, really. You, sh- you should have the choice to build the TARDIS. Yeah, and that is an ongoing theme for the very first beginning. It's like that kidnapping keeps getting brought up a lot. Well, I guess it's... Uh, I, maybe... Um, I mean, I was thinking, like, from the perspective of the writing and because you're doing a new show, I guess what they're doing is putting the audience in the 
in the roles of the two teachers being kidnapped. So you are being kidnapped by Doctor Who and being sent on this journey. So maybe that was the thinking, you know, like yeah. I know, like when dark when dark shadows happens, you get basically a Victoria Winters and she's on a train and she goes, this is my future. I don't know what my future is going to be, but uh, da, da, da. so you're sure so you're kind of like Victoria Winters as she maneuvers through this gothic horror story that she's going to enter. So you're kind of like her at the beginning. So maybe maybe that was their intention. Um, but then again, I guess, you know, as well, she, she said, honest. I mean, Avengers had a lot of kidnapping in Avengers during its during its <laughs> early run. So maybe, maybe it's just a thing, a go to. Yeah. Well, to be fair, it is right. because the, When it began with the show, it is literally through the eyes of the companions. It's not through the eyes of the doctor through that first episode. So you get more of that, more through his eyes when it goes on or hers, because now obviously female. So yeah, so I guess that probably makes sense about the whole kidnapping storyline. So that that does make a little bit more sense now thinking back on that. And do you agree with Matthew's favorite character, Craig? Yeah, I love um, Susan was great. I, I love the, the the classroom scenes when she was um, telling the teachers her ideas that well her answers which were futuristic and beyond current knowledge. That oh. Was- and that brings up one of her favorite moments. It's like when she's listening to the music, she's acting like a bright teenager. And then they all start getting really concerned about Susan because she's so clever. They don't understand how she's alien at certain things and it starts worrying them. Do they mention in these first four episodes exactly where they come from? No. Are they? Gallifrey uh, doesn't exist till the war games when Patrick Troughton regenerates. She just says she's from the 49th century. And then you're left thinking... Okay, where, yeah. Where, where's that? <laughs> so it has to take another doctor, Keith, when they actually introduce where they're from, and Susan's long gone at that point. That makes a bit more sense, actually. So basically, they're like they're kind of like just we're not making it their go, but we're giving a little bit more information, so that way they're not they're not they're not showing off their hand all at once, sort of thing. I guess. Yes, and th- how they explained it in the first. They try to say, "Oh, we are cut off from our own people, our mm. own race, our own time. We can, we can never go back. But one day, we'll go back." So I, I think now what we'll do is um, why not, if, um, I'm not sure because this is all kind of one storyline at the moment. If um, if we should maybe rate the whole this whole storyline, I guess, out of a scale of one yeah. to five, maybe. Okay. It- that way, because they're not really. Do- it's like it's kind of like I guess it's like trying to rate a miniseries. I guess trying to rate an episode of a miniseries in this one. I know that because. Looking through Unearthly Child, and I know that when we were putting the show together, Unearthly Child is probably the only four episodes arc that you have that doesn't have individual titles for each of the episodes. Hmm. So yeah, it's almost like it's only with these original episodes they're under different titles. Yeah, as it goes on, they drop that and just call them episodes one, two, three, four, however many they've got. Hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. It's like John Pertwee, it's like part one and all that, and they've scrapped it after the Hartnell and Charlton era. Okay, that makes more sense then. So I guess from a scale of one to five, what would you rate Unearthly Child? Um, starting with you, Craig. Um, Because of the concepts never been seen before, it was something brand new, and it went on for 60 years. That's got to be five cavemen out of five. <laughs> and what about yourself, Matthew? What do you rate it? Oh, I'm going to be definitely sorry, my dear boy. I'm going to have to be controversial here. Hmm, it's going to be a, a solid three out of five for me, the doctor, because of how I was acting all crazy. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this brings us to the end of the Literary Life of Podcast. Next Doctor Who episode will be airing um, in October and we'll be covering the Daleks Part 1, which will cover episodes 21st of December to 1963 to the 1st of February 1964. And these will include episodes 1 through 4, which will include the episodes titled The Dead Planet, The Survivors, The Escape, the ambush and of course next week we'll be carrying on with our new episode for season six will be m&m which is monsters and madness we'll be covering two fantastic films which will be the creature from the black lagoon from 1962 and of course the 2009 2020 box office oscar-winning film the shape of water directed by guillermo del toro and of course uh, Dark Shadows is put on hiatus we will be back in June to finish off the last two seasons of two episodes of that when we do wish Tom the best of luck and to get well very very soon our next uh, books to screen will be Whatever Happened to Cousin Charlotte um, written by Henry Farrell and the film from 1964 Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte by Betty Davis and Louis de Havilland and then again we'll be back for Batman the Animated Series we'll be covering episodes Pretty Poison, The Underdwellers, POV, and of course, The Forgotten. And of course, Make Remake will be covering the 1932 The Mummy and The Mummy from 1999. So it's good night for myself and good night, Matthew. Oh, sorry. Good night. <laughs> good night, Craig. Good night, everybody. And don't forget, you can check my Instagram at Craig's World too. Um, you can check my merch on craigsworld.org and my Etsy store at Craig's World. Which, make sure you sign up to the newsletter and you'll have all the links to be able to get that with a simple link. And we'll also put those into our show notes. So remember, the next we'll be doing the Daleks for the next Doctor Who. And next week, Monsters and Madness, we'll be covering The Creature from the Black Lagoon from 1962 and The Shape of Water from 2020. Good night, folks. Good night. <laughs>